Welcome to Stiefel's Investment Strategy Brief, a monthly recap of the macroeconomic and market environment. Well, greetings and welcome to the Investment Strategy Brief podcast. This is Michael O'Keefe, Stiefel's Chief Investment Officer. It's November 2022, and boy, the year has really just flown by. Uh, We've been talking lately about finding balance on a number of fronts, and we're going to get into that a little bit further in this episode, really where we're seeing some signs of balance. Now, for those that maybe haven't uh, heard the last couple episodes, you know, the idea here uh, to go back to the beginning of the year is that we opened up the year with an outlook really around balancing acts, the idea that we were, as a nation and as a world, trying to manage the reopening still uh, from the pandemic. We were uh, monitoring Fed policy as the Fed tried to navigate what it thought about inflation, saw companies trying to figure out how to deal with higher inflation and other issues. And um, with that then, you know, sort of fits and starts in the early days, at least, with market volatility. Now, we know that uh, inflation stayed elevated. Uh, We have talked about it being driven by imbalances, specifically strained supply chains that have been magnified by zero COVID policies in China and the very tragic war in Ukraine with Russia's invasion there, creating essentially some supply chain issues that uh, really started with and were anchored in the challenges of reopening a global economy. In any event, that's the supply side. On the demand side, of course, we saw um, essentially significant monetary and fiscal policy that just created a lot of excess demand. And so long story short, we've seen elevated inflation uh, from imbalances. But as we've made our way sort of through the fourth quarter, we really got into this idea of finding balance. And specifically, you know, we've been focused a bit uh, domestically. So think of it as D.C. Uh, with the midterms, the uncertainties around that, the idea of higher inflation, as I mentioned. And, and, of course, related to that is Fed policy, all leading to the risk of recession. And with that, some kind of slowdown in earnings growth and maybe a decline in earnings. We'll see. Uh, but that has really, all of that has spooked the markets. Uh, so we, we've been in a bear market We've seen recovery here and there. We'll get into that too. Uh, But I also like to think of it as around the world, we're sort of surrounded by a lot of other issues uh, that create risk and uh, where we have to be mindful that a bad turn with the war in Ukraine or a bad turn with China tensions as examples can really kind of shake uh, the environment, shake the market and create more imbalances. So Anyway, that's the topic, the idea that we're seeing some signs of balance in this search for, uh, for finding balance. And, and let's really start with the midterm elections. So basically, uh, you know, I think we went into the midterms uh, with a consensus view, lots and lots of polls signaling a red wave, the idea that the Republicans would take a significant majority in the House and that they may take a majority or split the Senate. Um, and, uh, and, and really with that sort of that being an expression on the part of voters that they're disappointed with the current government and the current administration. But as we all know now, that did not pan out. Uh, there was not really a red wave. Uh, notably, 
the Senate is still up in the air and that there have been 50, de- or now we're at 50 Democrats in the Senate, 49 Republican with one seat yet decided, and that's Georgia, where there will be a runoff in December. Uh, so at a minimum, it's a 50-50 Senate where the president of the Senate, who's vice president, uh, can be the deciding vote. But on the uh, House side, so the House of Representatives did uh, flip uh, to Republican control, but just modestly so. And so anyway, we're going to have, you know, sort of formally a divided government. And uh, just to kind of get into where that might lead us, we think there will be a bit of activity in the lame duck session upcoming here as we end 2022. Uh, the the Congress needs to focus on a spending bill, the National Defense Authorization Act, that maybe focus in on the safe banking bill and extending certain uh, tax legislation. And, you know, uh, the bottom line is they're going to try to get certain things done, won't get a ton done. And then as we enter into the new Congress uh, with a divided government, as, as Republicans formally take control of the House, we'll see uh, very limited legislation focused really in two areas. One, uh, a very small, short list of things where there is the potential for bipartisan support. Examples of that might be new regulation in tech and more, and more folk, in a more focused way, new regulation in crypto, cryptocurrencies. And then the second area is really the, you know, just um, kind of proceeding and advancing legislation that's necessary. So spending bills, debt ceiling related, and and things like that. And so anyway, why do I mention the midterms in some detail? The idea with this is that we felt a bit unstable, like uh, it it really as it relates to the uncertainty, the unknowns of the election. So as, uh, as patterns would show historically, once we get through the election, then we have a sense for where things are landing. We can kind of understand it as individuals and investors and kind of get ready for it in the coming year. But, uh, of course, and, and that's good. It's almost like the uncertainty has gone. Now, I will say it did not take a whole lot of time for uh, discussion to start and focus to start on 2024, but we'll save that for another episode. So think of it as that first platform of finding balance. We did find some balance in the sense that the midterms are behind us, and we now know uh, that at least uh, the House has flipped, so we're in a divided government, which means we're going to see more limited activity uh, legislatively, at least in D.C. Now, moving to a second topic, uh, I mentioned the idea of imbalances driving inflation. And uh, what's, what's important to note is that October ended up being a good month. So the reports that just came out here in November for October in terms of improving inflation. There's still levels well above the Fed's 2% target, but we saw inflation soften, and we saw it soften uh, in a way sort of better than a consensus expectation. That's both for the producer, or I'm sorry, the, the consumer price index and then the producer price index, which is kind of a leading indicator of the consumer price index or CPI. Now, um, what I will say is, uh, you know, we're, we're also seeing kind of a pattern as it relates to inflation. And just to walk through it, you know, if we break uh, CPI into um, uh, its, its various components, if we, if we look at uh, goods, for example, and we take out food and energy, basically what you saw is over the period of about March, or I'm sorry, April of 2021, through February of 2022, if we just look at the monthly data, what we see is a bit of a jump in goods 
uh, excluding uh, food and energy. And that basically relates to supply chain disruptions, right? And uh, so I mentioned the idea of the supply side playing a role here. Um, so goods, it's just harder to get goods uh, around. When we um, look at uh, services, X food and energy, and we look at um, that, basically what we saw is over a similar period, uh, sort of a buildup in prices. Um, and so, you know, take, for example, shelter, where the prices are going up, but we expect that uh, to be sustained for a while, uh, although there was a little bit of relief in October. But think of it as lease renewals, you know, hitting the new market level. And so there's these forces that are kind of keeping shelter prices, as an example, and other services uh, up a little bit. They're a little bit sticky. We saw a big surge in energy as another component, uh, really related to the Ukraine war. And uh, thankfully, uh, the, that area has actually gone negative, meaning the, the monthly inflation rates are negative. Uh, they were for July, August, and September, slightly positive for October, but basically softening of energy. And then subtle as it is, with food, um, we saw it again with supply chain disruptions in the Ukraine war, and maybe a little bit influenced by bad weather. We saw that build up, but it's sort of slowly coming back down. So anyway, it's still very early, but when we stack all these up, basically what we see when we look at year-over-year inflation is that it, it peaked in June, and it's been progressively moving lower uh, as a result of the forces I just described. So that's that's good news. And in fact, when we look at inflation expectations, uh, consumers still, uh, as we talked about in the last episode, are, are still kind of spooked and expect inflation to be high for the next year. But when we look at break-even rates that reflect investor views, basically investor, th- those rates have come down even further since we last talked about it. And they're down in the 22 to 2.3% range which is really right in you know spitting distance of the Fed's 2% target. So imagine an environment where we're back close to 2%. I think the Fed would be very happy with that. So anyway, I think an, another area where we found some balance is the October inflation report, both CPI and PPI. And um, we'll talk about it in a second, but markets reacted positively to that. Now, uh, inflation has been sort of the specter, the negative thing that the Fed has been focused on. So as as we've talked about uh, for a while, the Fed has been behind the curve a bit, and their SEP, their Summary of Economic Projection Reports, or SEP reports, which they published in December, March, June, December of last year, March, June, and September, so saw progressive recognition that inflation was going to stay higher They had to get more aggressive with the Fed funds rate, hiking it more, and that that would cost us in terms of GDP growth. And so the big question is, well, are they going to slow down? Um, Are they going to pause their rate hikes? And what's been interesting about it is even though we're seeing some uh, positive data on the inflation front, uh, from Chair Powell at the last meeting, we had this sort of mantra that they were going to stay aggressive and frankly, after that meeting, it was like, a, I don't know, like an, this, I want to say about a 75 or 80% probability of a 75 basis point rate hike, um, uh, round numbers that, uh, but you know, m- more likely than not of a 75 basis point or three quarter point rate hike in December. But since that meeting, we had the October inflation report 
and uh, the market now thinks the Fed, um, it's an 80% chance, roughly, round numbers, of a half-point hike, so a little better. And if I had to ballpark it, I think we see a half-point in December and maybe another quarter point early in 2023, and then I, I think they pause. And again, I think that's a little better than people have been expecting. So uh, one final point I'd make about the Fed is we're seeing that we think that they are very intentional about how they message uh, what they're thinking about in terms of uh, evaluating inflation and what they're going to do with Fed policy. And essentially, we're seeing, I'll call it uh, now more mixed uh, comments um, in the, the idea that, um, that they're maybe signaling the potential for um, uh, slowing their rate hike cycle. And again, we see lots of mixed messages. Jeremy Powell tends to be pretty aggressive, but I think they intentionally kind of drip out uh, signals of the possibility of slowing things down. And I think the reality is they're watching the data and they're going to make some decisions as they get closer to their meeting and then tell us more about what they think and we'll deal with it. But you know, the, the idea with the settling of inflation is it gives the Fed a little bit of room to slow down a little bit, which would be better than the market's been expecting, and that's, that's a good thing. Now, all of this, of course, translates then to economic activity. And so, you know, sort of the drumbeat that we've seen is the idea that the consumer, really supported by a very strong job market, remains pretty engaged. So retail sales remain reasonable. The employment environment remains pretty good. Savings is okay. And the consumer's, therefore, contribution to GDP has remained positive. So as it relates to what the NBER looks at to determine whether we're in a, a recession, you know, we're seeing some data soften and turn a little bit negative, but, you know, the bottom line is most of the data has been sort of uh, middle of the road, I would say. And so we'd be a little bit surprised to hear that we're, quote unquote, in a recession at this point, but lots of data is signaling a slowdown and sort of leading economic indicators indicating that we could well see a, a recession I think of it as roughly the end of the first half of uh, 2023, but we'll see. Um, so again, I think I think people always ask, "Will we have a recession?" Well, we know we will at some point. It's really timing and and depth, right? And, and we think, yeah, we'll probably have one sometime in 2023. Could be in, in the first half, probably latter part of the first half, but we don't think it'll be uh, very uh, deep. We think it'll be a shallow recession as we make our way through and. The Fed is able to back off of further hikes as we see inflation improve a little bit, and then we get back towards normal state. So, um, you know, I will say that some of the data we watch as it relates to signaling inflation has gotten a little bit worse. Yield curve inversion has been in the news a lot. There are different measures. The 210 measure has been inverted for a bit, but some others have inverted as well. And so, um, you know, they, but but again, what's interesting about that is when you look at history, the things invert and then it takes time before the recession hits. Um, so again, uh, long story short, we don't think we're in a recession. We don't feel like we found ac actual stability on that yet. We think there's we need to see more data and sort of confirm that we're we're not before people calm about that. But uh, we still believe that ultimately the environment will be probably a little a little bit better than at least people have been worried about. Now, turning to earnings, we've talked a lot about the idea of earnings growth slowing down. 
And when we look, for example, at fiscal year 2022, we started the year with a view, uh, their consensus view out there that earnings growth, let's say on the S&P 500, was going to be up 9.2%, so a growth rate of 9.2. The current estimates when we roll up, or you know, the, the service providers roll up all the consensus views of individual analysts, that's kind of softened to 5.9%. And, uh, and then when we look into 2023, the pr- projection at, at the beginning of the year for 2023 was almost 10% at 9.9, and that's softened to 5.6. Now, I will tell you that when we look at recessionary periods historically, earnings growth tends to turn negative. So the fact that the view is that it isn't uh, necessarily going to do that, at least on a bottom-up basis, tells us that um, there's a kind of a general sense that the whatever kind of economic slowdown we're in won't be too bad. In any event, we know that the market has reacted to all this. We think that the market, you know, this bear market really baked in a lot of worries and nervousness about all these issues. And, uh, and so, honestly, since um, the, um, uh, you know, for example, the October CPI report, um, yeah, essentially we've seen just a little teeny bit more relief uh, in uh, the performance of the markets, and um, and you know it's something that we're watching is you know kind of a a, a significant um, move in the wake of that report, and then uh, it, you know markets are holding up okay. There's still more room to go, if you will, to get back to even for the year. We don't think that's necessarily going to happen, but we've seen some recovery from the lows of this bear market. And by the way, you know, people talk a lot about the idea of whether sixty forty. Um, is is dead, you know, which th- this happens to be kind of about uh, both bonds and stocks being negative this year. Uh, we'll get to rates in a second. But, you know, the bottom line is as we sit here today, yeah, this is an unusual year when we look back to 19, every calendar year back to 1977 based on the S&P 500 for stocks and the Bloomberg U.S. aggregate for bonds. Basically, one or the other and often both of those indices are positive for the calendar year. So this is the first time uh, in that period that we've had both indices negative. And, you know, bottom line is we don't think 60-40 is dead. This is sort of an aberration. And honestly, uh, we've seen a good improvement in this uh, year-to-date performance from the lows uh, that were experienced uh, between those two indices. And so, again, uh, just a quick note on that. Um, I will say as it relates to equities specifically, a couple I think important points. One is that we are in a bit of an oversold set of conditions. Consumer sentiment is down. People are a bit more bearish than bullish, uh, although that's moved up a little bit, uh, meaning that there's incrementally more bulls than maybe in the last episode. And then cash allocation for global fund managers is at its highest level since 2001. All of this says, hey, people have been worried, and usually that worry precedes uh, some recovery in the market. In fact, one of the data uh, series that we've taken a look at is sort of the idea of uh, relating elements of the economic cycle, for example, industrial production, to the market. And what you see is that the market peaks, if you will, well be- before the uh, the economy peaks, and then even sometimes in advance of a decline in the economy severely, Mark, the markets will take off because they're, they're basically looking forward, right? Investors are looking forward, trying to figure out where we're headed. And, um, and long and short of it is that that's, we've done some data analysis to remind us that 
that the, these two sort of cycles are offset where the stock market is uh, trading in advance of uh, economic activity. And, and so, again, another sort of uh, signal that we probably are going to see uh, equity markets go a bit higher from here. In any event, as we've talked about before, uh, with interest rates up so much, that means bonds are uh, that much more attractive. Um, and so to, just to give you an example, if I were to look at U.S. investment-grade bonds, uh, at the beginning of the year, sort of the average yield coming off a, a traditional index for that was 2.3%, and that's now up to 5.4%. And so, you know, a, a, a bit more, if you will, in terms of yield that one can get by investing in fixed income. And we've seen a number of clients uh, move into that direction. Okay, I want to sort of conclude on a topic. I mentioned the idea that we're sort of surrounded by lots of geopolitical issues, lots of geopolitical risks. And, you know, there's things like um, energy crisis in Europe as we head to, towards the winter. It's, there's things like the war in Ukraine, obviously. It's very tragic. Uh, the idea of tensions between the U.S. and China and it's, it's a good time to mention that we had just a couple sort of relatively minor but important positive uh, signals in the last uh, little bit of time here, last week or two. And it really related to the fact that we the, the G20 summit, which was held in Bali, uh, sort of brought world leaders together. And while, you know, they had their formal meetings, uh, the theme uh, with this meeting was recover together, recover stronger. The, the two side events, or so, somewhat side events, that were relevant. Number one was that Ukraine uh, president there basically uh, in a speech detailed the 10-point peace plan to end Russia's invasion. Now, Russia was quick to say this is infeasible, but I think uh, uh, two things happened. One is Ukraine signaling that they're, they're interested in it, and, uh, and then a number of leaders um, basically suggested that the two parties get to the table and negotiate. And and among those leaders, by the way, is China's President Xi, who's basically saying, hey, uh, uh, the two parties should get to the table and negotiate a peace. Now, uh, speaking of Xi, the other thing that happened uh, was he and President Biden met in person. It's really since the first time since they've been each uh, both in office. And, and so what was relevant about that was the idea of coming together, having a brief conversation about a number of different things, but really agreeing to future discussions. So it's really the idea of setting the stage for future negotiations that will allow the two countries to come together, work through issues, and importantly, uh, try to work through issues and tensions uh, by, by at the same time avoiding military um, events, basically. And so, again, I would say that, that those two... Uh, Concepts: The idea of uh, Ukraine and Russia potentially uh, moving to peace talks is obviously hugely positive if it happens. And then the idea that, that the U.S. and China are going to now open up negotiations again to kind of settle certain differences is, is, is pretty good. So anyway, I think the idea, again, with this episode was to say we've been looking to find balance and we've seen some signs more to go for sure, uh, but we're, we're pretty uh, pleased with a few things that we've seen. We do have still a lot to go uh, through the balance of November and December. Uh, we're going to get minutes from the last Fed meeting um, in the next week or so, 
and that always gives us a little bit more color into how the Fed's thinking. Market tends to react positively or negatively to things like that. Uh, we're going to get an employment report, a report on consumer sentiment, another Fed policy decision mid-December. And uh, with that, by the way, there are summary of economic projections. So again, lots more data to, to parse out and through for the uh, balance of 2022. And I will say, uh, you know, in our next episode, which will be our last of the year, we're going to not so much provide our outlook. We're, we always do that in January, but we're going to kind of get get into as we, you know, we've just had a session looking back, we're going to get into a session kind of processing all this and start to lay the groundwork for what we uh, are doing in terms of fine-tuning our outlook for 2023. So look forward to bringing that episode uh, to you in about a month. Again, thank you so much uh, for listening this time around, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to Stiefel's Investment Strategy Brief. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to automatically receive each month's podcast in your feed.